Hello, welcome to Chiroticast, a podcast about rhetoric, current events, and how big ideas play out in our daily lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth Thorpe. Our goal at Chiroticast is to look at how rhetoric functions in the real world. We're just coming off of the Thanksgiving holiday, and I'm wondering how yours went. I say that because we all know the jokes and the tropes about Thanksgiving. It's supposed to be this delightful family time, but supposedly it devolves into families arguing about politics. Apparently everybody has a crazy conspiracy nut uncle, a racist grandma, or a brother-in-law who thinks we should be using the homeless as unpaid labor. Or perhaps some people come at this from a different angle. You have a crazy hippy-dippy cousin who won't vaccinate her kids, a socialist uncle who thinks everything should be free, and a niece who won't eat anything at the table because it wasn't ethically sourced or it isn't cruelty-free. Regardless, family is complicated, and according to the jokes and stories we tell, Thanksgiving is just a hotbed of familial tension because we all disagree on the fundamentals of, well, everything, and can't put that aside for a few hours for one day a year. That may be true. That may not be. It could be that your family gets along great, and you love the holidays because you get to hang out with your favorite people and enjoy food, drink, and love and merriment, and experience the joy and the spirit of the season as it was meant to be. But it is also possible that you come away from the holidays thinking, There has to be a way to connect and communicate with these people that doesn't end in yelling. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Maybe not in time for Thanksgiving, but to give you a means to think about how you're going to A, handle any apologies, or B, look forward to Christmas. Now, I have to admit, this is not my specialty. This is not where I am most comfortable. I am, I guess, not in my heart, a peacemaker as this process I am about to lay out for you would have me be. But today we're going to talk about something very different than what we have talked about before. We're going to talk about invitational rhetoric. Invitational rhetoric was developed by Sonia Foss and Cindy Griffin in the mid-90s. Invitational rhetoric is the invitation to understanding as a means to create a relationship rooted in equality, imminent value, and self-determination. The theory argues that traditional rhetoric is patriarchal in that it attempts to force change in its audience. Rhetoric tries to alter its environment and influence the social affairs of others. That's a controversial charge in and of itself. To say that traditional rhetoric is patriarchal gets a lot of people riled up. Clearly, and as we will see as we move through this, this is a theory of rhetoric that is firmly grounded in feminist theory. That is not to say all women use invitational rhetoric and all men use traditional rhetoric. That is not what this means at all. As I said earlier, I, a woman, am not one who gravitates toward invitational rhetoric. 
The response to that would be that I have been socialized in traditional patriarchal rhetoric. We all have. Embedded in this traditional approach to rhetoric is a desire for control and domination. That's what makes it patriarchal. Traditional rhetoric is firmly grounded in notions of power and force, traditionally masculine, and I hope you can see me putting that in air quotes, characteristics. Rhetoric aims to convince or force you to change your mind. It is a matter of dominating your choices. Now, we can argue all day whether rhetoric is really a matter of force or domination. That's a whole issue in and of itself. But the theory of invitational rhetoric operates from the assumption that traditional rhetoric is a kind of brute force in that way. It aims to dominate the listener. You can do with that what you will. If you take many classes in debate or argumentation, you know that there are a number of ways of thinking about this, but rhetoric seems to be the most forceful means of persuasion. Invitational rhetoric offers a different approach. Invitational rhetoric invites the audience into the rhetor's world to see things as the rhetor does. Ideally, audience members accept that invitation and also offer their own perspectives. By ascertaining a variety of perspectives, rhetor and audience gain a richer and more nuanced understanding of complex issues. But the benefits are not just in understanding the problem. By offering the different perspectives of the audience and the rhetor, participants can gain an understanding of each other as well. In traditional theories of rhetoric, the goal is to change others. In this theory, invitational rhetoric, the goal is not to persuade, but to come to an understanding. Invitational rhetoric is rooted in three feminist principles that explicitly challenge the positive value the patriarchy accords to changing and thus dominating others. The first feminist principle is equality. In traditional rhetoric, the rhetor is superior to or above the audience or those they are trying to persuade. This is one of the things that many theorists of rhetoric from the past have struggled with in their rhetoric. The rhetorician believes that their ideas, their opinions, are superior. Otherwise, they wouldn't be trying to convince the audience of them. The rhetor adopts a position of superiority to the audience in traditional rhetorical theory because the traditional rhetor believes they have the superior position and have the job or responsibility or even just the opportunity to change people's minds. In invitational rhetoric, the rhetor and the audience are viewed as equal peers who share authority and expertise and contribute equally to an interaction. The second feminist principle is eminent value. All individuals have unique valuable perspectives that should be appreciated for what they bring to the situation. Each individual has a particular perspective that is theirs and theirs alone and is valuable because that person is valuable. This principle is grounded in the idea of the innate dignity of each human and because each person is valuable, their perspective is valuable. 
The third feminist principle is self-determination. People are competent and should be allowed to make their own decisions about their lives. It is possible change may occur as a result of an interaction, although that is not the goal. In the case of invitational rhetoric, both the rhetor and the audience may choose to change their perspectives as a result of the process of sharing perspectives, but the goal is to come to a mutual understanding about the situation and ultimately each other. Those who engage in this kind of rhetoric seek a variety of perspectives because they recognize each point of view as partial, so they need a variety of viewpoints to have as comprehensive an understanding of an issue as possible. They are especially interested in viewpoints other than their own. By understanding as many perspectives as possible, the problems at hand come into a clearer view. Invitational rhetoric should be seen as a means to solve a problem or make a decision, as opposed to convince someone of your perspective. In this way, it subverts the patriarchal nature of traditional rhetoric. Whereas traditional rhetoric assumes a superior position and tries to convince or force the audience to assume that same position through exercises in power, invitational rhetoric tries to solve the problem or make a decision through perspective sharing and cooperation. There are two primary rhetorical options in invitational rhetoric. One, offering perspectives, and two, creating external conditions that encourage audience members to share their perspectives with the rhetor. Offering perspectives is how rhetors share their ideas with audience members, explaining what they know or understand about an issue or idea without advocating for these perspectives. This can happen verbally or non-verbally. For example, a rhetor can explain their position without arguing or advocating for it, or they can wear a button or a shirt that indicates their perspective. Creating external conditions involves creating an environment that encourages audience members to share their perspectives with the rhetor. To accomplish this objective, the invitational rhetor attempts to create three conditions. Safety. Safety is a feeling of security and freedom from the danger for the audience. When an audience member feels safe, they feel like they can share their ideas without being accosted, belittled, or shamed. Value. Value is acknowledgement by the rhetor that the audience members have intrinsic worth. Rhetors show that they value the uniqueness of audience members' perspectives. They listen carefully to each contribution and encourage audience members to share their ideas. Freedom. Rhetors give audience members the freedom to make their own choices even if they are different than the choices made by the rhetors. An example of invitational rhetoric that Foss and Griven provide is Adrienne Rich's acceptance speech when she won the National Book Awards Prize for Poetry in 1974. When she read her speech, she read a statement that had been prepared with Alice Walker and Audre Lorde, who had also been nominated for the award, where they announced that they were accepting the award together. They accepted the award in the name of all women who go unheard in a patriarchal world. 
They clearly stated their belief but presented no argument in favor of their belief and didn't argue against the position of those who organized the National Book Award. They didn't seek the agreement of others, they just offered their own vision. The three values of safety, value, and freedom required for others to present their perspectives were there in this speech as well. They communicated safety when they said they respected the judges and the work they had done. They imparted value to many specific individuals, both in the immediate audience and beyond, by acknowledging the struggles of women from all walks of life and credited them as sources for their own work. The rhetors provide freedom in that they did not prescribe how women should respond to this or the kinds of support they should offer. Women were left to self-determine themselves. Invitational rhetoric is a kind of idealized way of speaking that asks a great deal of the audience and of the rhetor. It assumes a good deal of respect between the audience and the rhetor. That's what those precepts are all about. And if those can be followed, then invitational rhetoric could be an excellent way to approach problem-solving and dialogue. But there are some critiques to invitational rhetoric that are worth considering. Consider the principle of imminent value. I don't think any of us would argue that an individual does not have value. But are we really prepared to accept that all perspectives are equally valuable and should be given equal weight in a dialogic or dialectic situation? If a person comes with blatantly racist, sexist, transphobic, classist, or fascist perspectives, do we have to recognize the value in their perspective for invitational rhetoric to function? Invitational rhetoric assumes there is value in all perspectives. But really, is there? Are some perspectives valueless? But by saying so, are we feeding into the criticism that invitational rhetoric makes of traditional rhetoric? I feel comfortable saying that my perspective is superior to that of a blatant racist or a fascist. Does that make me patriarchal? Can I not participate in invitational rhetoric? Is this form of rhetoric out of my reach? Secondly, there is the question of democracy. Is invitational rhetoric more democratic than traditional rhetoric because it considers all perspectives? Or would democracy cease to function if we could not persuade each other? There are particular reasons why democracy and rhetoric were developed at the same time in the same place by the same people. Democracy runs on persuasion. Would invitational rhetoric help or hinder democracy? Does that say something about democracy and patriarchy? Or does it point to the inefficiency of invitational rhetoric? So what does this have to do with your family? Can you, in good faith, see your family as equals? Can you appreciate the value of their perspectives? Can you allow them the ability to determine their own wills and decision-making? Would all of that help you make peace? Would you be at peace with all that? Can you provide your family with a safe space to share their perspectives? 
Can you show them that they have intrinsic worth? Can you give them the freedom to make their own choices? Are you really comfortable with providing that environment? Should you be? Invitational rhetoric is a tough critique of traditional rhetoric. Many people think of it as the ideal rhetoric. Other people think it is idealized nonsense. The question for your next holiday is, are all perspectives valuable? Is your position inherently superior? Can you admit that? If it is, how can you allow those other perspectives? What kind of argument can you make to convince people of your perspective? If it isn't superior, can you allow a safe and free space for others? Thanks for listening to this episode of Chiroticast. We really hope you'll join us again. If you have feedback, we'd love to hear it. If you have questions, we'll try to answer them. If you have issues you'd like us to address, send them our way and we'll do our best to get to that. Make sure to subscribe or leave us a review. Email us at elizabeth at chiroticast.com. That's K-A-I-R-O-T-I-C-A-S-T. And we look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>